I on? Okay. I have a little allergy, sore throat thing going on this morning. I don't know what it is, but it's not bigger than Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, good morning, church family. Good, morning. It's good to be with you again. A week ago today, I was having breakfast just south of Cancun, <laughs> and my phone rang. Oh, it's Natalie. Well, I better answer that. <clears throat> And she says, are you in town? <clears throat> and I, as she's saying that, I look to my right, and I'm looking at the Gulf of Mexico, and the, you know, the Atlantic Ocean with the waves come. I said, my friend, I am not. I am not even close. <clears throat> so, so sorry. But I know I prayed in that moment for your gathering, and I know the Lord blessed it. And it's good to be back with you. We are in a certain fashion, continuing in our journey through the book of Revelation. And just as John in this revelation records that there were pauses in heaven, so we have been pausing for these last three weeks, pausing to hear what Jesus has to say about these things in the Gospels. And turns out Jesus had plenty to say, actually. Words of warning, words of guidance, words of encouragement. I'm going to, the theme of what I want to share with you today is staying the course, avoiding distraction. Some of you might recall a 1981 movie called Chariots of Fire. Anybody remember that one? Yep, some of you are too young to even remember that movie <clears throat> at all. But the movie portrays a rivalry between famed runners, Eric Liddell and Harold Abrahams as they were preparing for a showdown at the 1924 Olympics in Paris. Both runners were considered, you know, very fast, had were known for their great speed and prowess, and yet somewhere along the way in his athletic career, uh, there is, the story is told that Harold Abrahams actually managed to lose a race. As they were nearing the finish, he did an unprecedented thing where he just happened to, he decided to look and see where his competitor was. And so instead of focusing on the finish line, he looked over to see what was happening around him, and he lost the race. And his coach told him, <clears throat> that look cost you the race. You see, he had become distracted at the worst possible moment, distraction, focus, awareness, staying the course. Let's go to Matthew 24 together and hear the words of Jesus as he is answering questions from his seemingly nervous disciples about these end times. And this is a little bit longer passage. Is that okay today if we... If we spend a little more time in the Word, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's quite lengthy, but I am going to read verses 1 through 35 from Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. 
Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us. They said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the sabbath for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again if those days had not been cut short no one would survive but for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened at that time if anyone says to you look here is the christ or there he is do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Jesus is quoting Isaiah there. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all nations on earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky, with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this from the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The word of the Lord. Amen. So Jesus offers the disciples and us significant warnings about false messiahs, about deception. Our culture supplies an abundance of distraction, abundance of distortion from the truth, from the pursuit of Jesus. How can we stay the course in these times we're in? How can we not fall into this trap? How can we avoid distraction? False messiahs, false prophets. Three times, I just read, three times in his words, instruction to his disciples, Jesus warns against them. Jesus also quotes Daniel as he makes reference to the abomination that causes desolation. And I, I just had to throw that in here to my talk because it's such an interesting phrase, not repeated hardly anywhere else, that you know, one wonders, what is that? What is that about? The abomination that causes desolation. Desolation against the temple, desolation against worship of the true and living God. Now, there's general consensus among scholars that in the book of Daniel, when used there, the prophecy refers to a, uh, it's called Seleucid or Greek, a Greek king, Antiochus Epiphanes, who was excessively violent and held great contempt for Israel. And it's said in 168 BC, established in the temple an idol or an altar to Zeus in blatant defiance of worship of God and God alone. Now, it's also held by scholars that when Jesus refers to it, not necessarily referring to that prophecy, but talking more so, perhaps, not only about future end times, but also about the invasion of the Romans in A.D. 70. And these Romans, soldiers bringing with them idolatrous images of the emperor whom they worshipped. And there was utter desolation at that time of the temple. Just as Jesus foretold, not one stone left on another. You know, my friends, defiance of God, opposition to God, has gone on since time began. Throughout history, there have been those who have claimed to be the Christ. Even more so, there have been those who've brought false teaching, who've brought messages that are contrary to the heart of God and misrepresent who he is. Teachings that violate and distort the meaning of God's sacred word, the Holy Scriptures. Today, in the world we live in, truth itself is under attack. The world we live in has been assaulted by many things, and among them the premise of postmodernism. Anybody heard that word before? Postmodernism? Yep, I didn't have it put up on the slides, but uh, essentially it's the notion that truth is whatever I decide it is. Okay? Or truth is what you decide it is. Now, your truth might be different from my truth. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all relative. Truth is whatever we make it up to be as we go. Some time ago, the elders took a journey through a book 
together called Kingdom Triangle by an author, J.P. Moreland. And in his opening remarks, he says this. He says, under the influence of naturalist and postmodern ideas, many people no longer believe that there is any ultimate meaning to life that can be known. These folks, and they are legion, have given up seeking that meaning and instead are living for happiness. Jesus offers some similar warnings uh, back to our focus passage in, in Matthew verse 10. At that time, he says, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Have you ever witnessed this in your life? Anybody you've known? Have you seen this happen somewhere in your journey? How do we keep ourselves from such a state? How do we not fall into that? Well, let me ask you this. How do experts in currency distinguish real, authentic money from counterfeit bills? How do they do that? Anybody know? I hear it. They study the real thing. They immerse themselves in the genuine article. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, Thomas is asking him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus says to him, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. My friends, how do we stay the course? The focus of our hearts, daily, hourly, must be set upon Jesus. Like Peter on the waves coming to him in Matthew 14. You know, remember he looked down and got distracted by the waves. Our gaze must be fixed on Jesus. We cannot endure the bombardment of our times and of our culture without it, without setting the desire of our hearts on Jesus and him alone, the authentic Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12 too, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So know Jesus, my friends. Seek him daily, always. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Earlier in Matthew, as Jesus was uh, beginning the Sermon on the Mount, the very first thing he says in that discourse is, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is Matthew 5.3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean, poor in spirit? The kingdom of heaven is ours, my friends. We stay the course when we daily acknowledge our desperate need for God. We cannot make it in our own strength. And we seek him. We seek Jesus. He is truth. His word is truth. Let us commit ourselves to what is the truth. Now, during my last year with the elder team, 
just last year, actually. We were praying and seeking God for guidance and wisdom as we considered the decision to leave the RCA and thus perhaps lead all of you, this beloved church family, uh, on a different journey, an exciting new path, a network and affiliation of fellowship and ministry. And it became very evident as we discussed and as we prayed together that this decision, this issue, wasn't so much about any of the detail as it was about the authority, my friends, of Scripture itself. The God-breathed authority of Scripture to govern all life was being challenged. And that we could not sit by and let compromise. Seek Jesus. Abide in him. Commit to the truth. He is the truth. So we stay the course by fixing our gaze and our hearts on Jesus. We also stay the course by how we govern the rhythm, the agenda of our days. It seems like we're always being encouraged by Jesus to live our days as though we're always on assignment, as though we are always on mission. Notice verse 14 back in, in our passage from Matthew. In the midst of his commentary, in the midst of his warnings, Jesus says this from verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And Jesus went on to say much more about those things beyond what we've read today. Further on in Matthew 24, there is a, a short little parable, Jesus tells, of what constitutes a faithful and wise servant. So I want to look at Matthew 24, verses 45 and 46. Jesus says to the disciples, Who then is this faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants? in his household, to give them food at their proper time. That's us, by the way, in this parable. It would be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. How are we to live our days? What's the common backdrop? No matter what your vocation, no matter what the daily rhythm is for you, we are all to be about our Heavenly Father's business the business of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew continues on. Jesus had much more to say about this on into chapter 25. And echoing this parable I just mentioned, Jesus shares the parable of the talents. Remember that parable? The people that are left while the master goes away on a journey. The application and use of what was entrusted to them, to the servants of the master. So my friends, it's the same point. Let us steward well the resources that we are given, the giftings that God has bestowed upon us. We're all in the family business. So <clears throat> let's get on with the family business during our days, the assignment to be God's hands and feet wherever he calls us. Wherever he calls us, we are not to engage this passive waiting, just biding our time, just holding on by the 
tips of our fingers until Christ returns. No, it's not to, meant to be that, but it's meant to be a dynamic engagement of what God has given you, of your time, your treasure, and your talent. At a former church <clears throat> that uh, Dana and I attended, there was for a time a, a minister that came and, and lived and ministered among us, and he came to be a, a support to the senior pastor. He was a older gentleman. He was kind of big of frame, big guy, and he had a big white beard. And so he reminded me of a very robust Santa Claus, you know, <clears throat> big guy. And he would talk to us all the time about a kingdom conspiracy. He would say things like, you only think you're going to the grocery store. He goes, no. He goes, it's just a cover. It's just a cover. You only think you're going to the gas station. Or you only think you're just going to the store. He goes, no. No, all of that, he goes, it's just a cover. A cover for what? What's his point? You know, our daily errands and our journeys are never just about those things. Have you ever thought of that? They're not ever just about those details. The larger agenda that always goes with us is our empowered representation of the kingdom of God. In your daily rhythm, there is most likely a soul out there who is desperate, who is starving for the treasure that you have in Christ. If you just ask God for those opportunities. Live on assignment. John shares Jesus' words uh, in his gospel, uh, John 15, verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Hear that? Not just sitting happily, idly on the branch, biding your time, to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we stay the course? How do we avoid the distractions, the false messiahs? We live on assignment. So we focus on Jesus, the genuine article. We live our life like we're on mission because we're all called. We all are on assignment. Also, I want to encourage you this morning to keep your passion alive. Jesus understands the spiritual, the emotional toll that evil can take on us, that these influences, these other voices can have. He understands the emotional, psychological toll that there can be from that. In our focus passage today, I found very uh, piercing Jesus' words from verses 12 and 13. He says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Ouch. The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, this declaration echoes quite a bit. It reminded me of a few weeks ago when we were actually in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, 
where the, the writer, the prophecy is directed to the Ephesian church, directed to those believers in Ephesus from him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And I'm sure that Eric read this for us. Revelation 2.4, what does he say? Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. You know, time is always moving forward. Time marches on. Things change in our life. Nothing ever stays the same way as it was. Our families change. People move in and out of our lives. Even uh, the love a couple has for each other can change over time, hopefully in a good way. But when that love is allowed to grow and be healthy, the original spark that is there can grow into something far deeper. But life is very daily, my friends. We don't always live on the mountaintops. There's just the dailiness of life, the bills, the rhythm, the agenda, and we're tired, and those influences can sap our passion, can sap our energy. There are always those distractions, always those voices asking for your attention. You know, life can move against us sometimes with the force of an active glacier. And it can be that way also with our relationship to God. Keep your passion alive, my friends. We all know the parable of the sower from Matthew 13 about the influences that can hinder the seeds of the kingdom from taking root in our heart. If we're not careful, if we're not watchful, our love for one another and for God can atrophy, it can wane. The dance of love with our Savior can lose the hold it once had on our heart. This dance is very much meant to be a two-way interaction. We must continually move toward God. We must be intentional about this. Colossians 3 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I like very much, I rediscovered how the King James phrases it. Notice this from Colossians 3, 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your affection on things above. This is how we stay the course. This is how we keep our love alive. I've discovered a, a new verse to add among my very favorites. I discovered this in the last year uh, through a journey through Proverbs. Proverbs 4.23 I don't know if this verse has ever resonated with you before, but notice this with me, and it's beautiful in any translation. But in the NIV, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from there. Pay attention to your heart and trust your heart to God, your passions, your motivations, your dreams, your fears. Seek Him. He will meet you when you seek Him. This is a promise in Scripture. God Himself declares this through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 13, we know this passage. You will seek me and find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. Freeing oneself from the distractions of this age, the voices of this age, it's a matter of the heart, my friends. So I ask you this morning, who are you in love with today? Who are you in love with? Paul's letter to the Philippians, the very first chapter, he offers this prayer for them. And this prayer is for you. It's for us. And with that, I would invite the worship team back up because I'm about to conclude my remarks here. But this prayer from Paul, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Fix your mind and your heart on Jesus, the authentic, genuine Jesus. Pursue him. Know him, the author of your salvation. Like Peter on the waves, fix your gaze on him and not the distractions, the voices that would clamor for your attention. Let your, live your life on assignment for the kingdom of God. All of us are empowered, all of you, all of us, to represent Jesus to our neighborhoods, to our workplace. Everything else is merely detail set against the grand agenda of God's kingdom. And I would encourage you to fall in love with Jesus again. Abide in his presence. Remain in his lap. This is how we stay the course. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Brother Scott. It's beautiful. Um, uh, Eli, I want to invite Eli forward. He just sensed, in his sense, he had a word during the service to share, and I think it correlates in a beautiful way with what Scott was sharing. So, Eli, would you just share that picture? Thanks, Eric. Yeah, so being Pentecost Sunday, we can expect as we celebrate the falling of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, that those same gifts, those same unctions will come through us at any given time. And in my experience, uh, you'll have a thought, and all of a sudden God will illuminate that thought with an image or a vision. And today that word was archway. And I thought, wow, I've never used that word. So as the archway, it gently guides up to the pinnacle, back down and up to the pinnacle and it's not like a doorway it's an archway and I think that all of us as the church are built up on the foundation which is Christ the pillars of God the praise moves up towards Christ as the head so I encourage us all and exhort us all to remember that we're here to reflect Christ but build one another up to worship Christ at the center that in all things he might have the preeminence and you don't see an archway but when you do Think of that gentle guidance to focus your attention on the Lord, to be brought higher, to think your thoughts as to things above, and just think about what he looks like at the center in heaven. And that's what I thought of today. So. so let's uh, stand together. I'm going to give the benediction. You can uh, go. 
collect the, the kids. You can share with one another in the atrium. Um, but also, you can remain. We're going to do one more uh, worship song. So would you go as a people of God knowing the truth, knowing that there is one person who is the way, the truth, and the life? Would you go keeping that dance of love alive, living on assignment, but in that way of, of, of centering your life on the one who gave his life for you? Would you go remembering that Jesus is the cornerstone in which the building of our lives is based and he is the capstone in which we go? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.